Let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and it's time for another devotional study. Please be sure to visit us at biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to our previous episodes and various Bible study resources. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into our study. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your mercy to us. We thank you for another day of life and health. We ask you to be with us now as we enter into your word. Help us that we will rightly divide your words of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's study is entitled, Little Decisions, Big Repercussions. Little Decisions, Big Repercussions. And our passage for this study is Genesis 6, verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's Genesis 6, verse 5, from the King James Version of the Bible. Many people know about the story of the Great Flood. And as a result, most people know about this story basically from verse 6. Verse 6 says, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then it goes on to the, to the story of the flood. But we don't spend enough time addressing how we got to this point. The flood occurs approximately 1650 years, 1656 years after the earth has been created. There's not a whole lot. This is the point in the book of Genesis where Moses is kind of flying through it. Um, he does not linger in a lot of these areas to give a lot of background, but there's a lot that is said, or there's a lot that can be gleaned from what is said, and we really have to look at it. Genesis chapter 5 deals with the genealogy of God's people. At the end of Genesis 4, where Cain had, had slain his brother, we have a genealogy from Cain's line, and we see that Cain separated himself from the rest of the family, and he set up camp at the east, in, in Nod, east of Eden. Then we have Genesis 5, which is the genealogy of Adam through Seth, and we end five, you know, in a fairly neutral, in a neutral place. We get all the way up to, to Noah, and Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. 
Then we start verse six. Okay. Verse six says, uh, chapter six, rather, verse one says, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Verse 3 says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Now we tackled this way back when in True Wisdom podcast, but I want to dwell on this a little bit because we're talking about little decisions that lead to huge repercussions. It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and took them wives of all they chose. This passage indicates that after Cain has gone his way and Seth has his children, that the two are not together, that the two family lines are pretty much staying apart from one another. But some time passes after we go down the genealogies of few generations, some time passes. And as men began to multiply and daughters were born unto them, right? This is talking about, obviously, both sides were having children, male and female children. But the emphasis here is that as the sons of men had more and more daughters, the sons of God, that being the line of Seth, looked over and said, hmm, they look pretty good over there. They saw that the daughters of men, that they were fair, fair as in looking good. And they took them wives of all they chose. So first we had a separation and that separation was effective because it kept the wicked together and the righteous together, separate from one another. And then the righteous looked over and saw the daughters of the wicked and thought, they look cute, beautiful, gorgeous. And they went and took unto them multiple wives, right? And they took them wives of all which they chose. You can try to look at that from the perspective of multiple sons of God took daughters but the verse is very clear that they took wives of all which they chose polygamy comes into the onto the side of god's people because in the genealogy of cain's line which we see in chapter four there's polygamy there early a few generations from cain there's already polygamy mentioned so when God's people start eyeing up the people of the world. They adopt practices from the people of the world. And they went and they got unto themselves multiple daughters or multiple wives. And the very next thing that the Bible tells us is, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. So let's think about this from the perspective of some other um podcast that we've done. We have covered Abraham and his intercession, and we've covered Moses and his intercession, but the Abraham intercession is very important here. 
Abraham pleads with the Lord for conditions under which he will save Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain. And he started with 50 righteous because he felt that that was a big enough number and it should have represented the number of, of Lot and his family and his herdsmen. Okay. But then he got nervous and started to ask for smaller and smaller numbers. Okay. Maybe some people wandered off, you know, maybe they're living in the city, which is why the cities are going to be destroyed. He thought of a lot of different outcomes and he finally gets all the way down to 10 righteous persons. And the Lord makes it clear in his response to Abraham that he would have saved all of those cities if 10 righteous persons could be found. So when we come back to Genesis 6 now, and we look at the two verses that tell us an observation in Genesis 1 and a reaction uh, in, in Genesis 6-2, right? Observation in Genesis 6-1, a reaction in Genesis 6-2, and the consequence in Genesis 6-3. The earth was preserved while the righteous inhabited some portion of it separate from the wicked. But as soon as the righteous mingled with the wicked in a way that increased wickedness. And I'm emphasizing that for a reason, because a lot of times whenever we talk about being separate from the world, people are always going to throw in the, oh, but how are you going to evangelize, etc. and so on. And evangelism doesn't require excessive mingling. Certainly, if you're evangelizing to people in an area where you live, there'll be a certain amount of mingling. But we have to be careful in that mingling that we mingle like Christ, right? Clear delineation in how we behave versus mingling like these brethren did here where they took on the characteristics of the world. When we mingle, we need to mingle like salt. Right, where we season and flavor everything we come in contact with, as opposed to being impacted adversely by the things we come in contact with. So when the righteous fell away from their righteousness and mingled with the wicked, the result is that wickedness increased exponentially and resulted in the destruction of the entire earth. That's what happened. The flood would not have come had the righteous stayed away from the wicked in the way that, um, at least to the degree of not picking up all of their habits and behaviors and customs, right? Enoch, we're told, interacted with people on a regular basis to teach them the way of the Lord, but he did not embrace the tactics and behaviors that they had. As a result, he was translated. We don't know how many people he won to Christ, but we know that his effect, his uh, impact was not zero. Little decisions. 
when we have an opportunity to separate ourselves from things that are not good for us, we need to appreciate that that is in fact God's way. We need not to buy into the worldly argument that, oh, you can't just run from everything. You can't just hide from everything. You, you know, your children are going to run into stuff anyway, so it doesn't matter. Those are worldly arguments. Those are worldly arguments. The reason that an embryo is protected in the womb for nine months is because they're not ready to be outside. Okay? There is that concept of readiness. And when a person is not ready to be in a particular place or scenario, they ought to be protected from that place or scenario and fortified to be able to deal with it until they're ready. And that's how we need to look at parenting on a family level. That's how we need to look at um, community on a larger level. We don't need to thrust our our children, or even ourselves, right? Don't act like adults can't be influenced by other adults. Peer pressure is a thing at every level. We need to be fortified with like-minded people and not indiscriminately exposed to people whose views will only undermine our own beliefs. We need to leverage our community to strengthen what we believe in and the objectives that we have and not just expose ourselves as children, youth, or adults indiscriminately to influences that will only undermine our spirituality. Okay? Don't let the world argue that sheltering is bad. There's a reason we don't just all sleep outside in the streets. We value shelter from, from cold and wind and rain. We value protection from the elements and from disease, right? Let's not pretend we're just supposed to rough it and, and survive. That is a crazy evolutionary mindset. God orchestrated everything in creation and established a family for the protection of sheltering, protecting, fortifying, and preparing persons to be able to operate in the world independently. But simply thrusting them into the world unprepared is negligence, gross negligence, in fact. Little decisions. The sons of God made what seemed like possibly a little decision to intermingle with the daughters of men. But that decision amplified the wickedness of the world and leads to Genesis 6-5 where it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it led to a 120-year probation and the destruction of all life on the earth, on the land and in the sky. Um, God obviously saved some of the water creatures 
because they weren't entered into the ark. So God had to protect them. Um, but it resulted in, in the destruction of everything, all because righteous people made what may have seemed to them to be small and inconsequential decisions that had ridiculous ramifications and repercussions. Let's bear that in mind. Let's remember that it is righteousness that forestalls destruction. Ultimately, Christ's righteousness. But the point is, if those people who believe in God are willing to be connected to him, their presence can forestall destruction and demise. When the righteous lower their barriers, everything falls apart. And soon the whole earth gets destroyed. May God help us to see and understand and be willing to not follow the world's agenda and perspective on these things, but to understand the biblical perspective that we need to protect and we need to guide and guard and shelter until such time as folks have been adequately trained and equipped to operate in this wicked world with a bit more autonomy. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and your goodness and your love. We thank you for your word, which outlines for us the things that we need to understand and focus on. We pray, Lord, that you'll guide and guard and protect us and help us to be judicious in following your word and your instructions. Help us, Lord, that as we go day by day, that we'll seek to, to obey your will and that we will not compromise or put ourselves or our families in positions that will undermine the work that you have for us. Bless us, we pray to this end. Be with those who hear this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. You can reach us via email at BibleQuestions at ASBZone.com. We look forward to hearing from you, whether you have questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns. We also recommend that you check out the True Witness podcast, where Robert and I discuss Bible stories and Bible topics together. Both of these podcasts can be found on over a dozen platforms, including Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and more. Please remember our ministries in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study and share His Holy Word.